This is a podcast for the creative misfits, the right brain, rogue, or rebellious creatives who don't want to do work and life the way we've been told we have to. It's for anyone who has felt a sense of dissatisfaction with their career or with corporate BS. It's for anyone who has struggled and wanted to find greater purpose, to experience more authenticity, creativity, freedom, and satisfaction in how they live and work. Let's build a new way of doing things. Welcome to episode eight of the Creative Misfits Club. I'm Jessica, your host. And eight episodes means I have made it two months with this new little baby podcast. So today's episode is called When More Is Not More, The Myth of Hustling. I want to preface this by saying as far as more being more or more being not more, there are actually some ways in which I really enjoy more is more in life, particularly when it comes to design. I personally, I think the older I get or the more in touch with my own personal sense of style I get, I actually really love insanely rich and decadent maximalism, like when it comes to color and textiles or interiors or architectures or design. I really love that. Case in point, the other night, what was I doing? I was watching the 1946 film Ziegfeld Follies, and there are several numbers in that film where the sets were done by a guy named Tony Duquette. And if you love maximalist design, I highly recommend looking up Tony Duquette uh, or some of the numbers from that film. He had this insanely rich and very unusual maximalist style. It's very beautiful. I really love it. But that's not the point of today's episode, Tony Duquette. The point is more can be more. Sometimes more is good. But here's what I'm here to talk about today. There is an element in our culture, especially our work culture, that values hustle and pushing. Just kind of like do more, 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 more. Right? It's like we derive value from struggle, really, is I actually think what it is. It's like this inherent belief, I would call it a limiting belief in our society, in our culture, where we value work, run, push, hustle, strive, go, 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 don't rest. I mean, I basically never see a job ad these days that doesn't say something about working in a fast-paced environment. Every freaking company wants you working in a fast-paced environment. It's as though somebody is more valuable if they can pump thermoses of caffeine into them and they can do seven things at once and they can work 10-hour days. It's like basically, if you can succeed just shy of burning yourself out, that's the ideal. That's valuable. (laughs) And we can stand here and we can say that burnout is bad and we can say it and even think we believe it. But then we essentially turn around and we glorify it or we require it in our work environments, right? It's this quality of pushing, stressing, struggling, filling up every empty space, filling up the calendar every day, going right from one thing to another and just doing a lot. Do, do, do. And a lot of people live this way. I mean, maybe it's because it's what we're told we're supposed to be doing in order to be successful. Maybe it's because we actually don't even know how to do life another way. But we have this culture where we push and we hustle and we stare at our screens all day. And, you know, even with exercise, it's like we're a slacker if we don't exercise, but our exercise really often doesn't, isn't joyful. I mean, heaven forbid, it's like actually moving your body with joy. So 
we, it's like we read workbooks while we're on treadmills <laughs> or we push past pain and we push past the messages of our body. And as women, we're expected to work through our periods, even when our bodies may be saying like today or part of this day, like you just need to rest. And then we all wonder why we don't feel good and why we're chronically sick and we're disconnected from our bodies and we're stressed and we're unhappy. But I think what's happening underneath all this is that we've attached some kind of value to struggle. It's almost like it's a currency. Struggle has become a currency. I would say it's like a false currency. But really, it's like so many of us still have this way of being swimming around in our psyches. It's like we think that unless we suffer, we didn't achieve. Or we think we're only worthy if we worked hard. That's a really common one. Or we think we're more worthy if we work more hard. Or that someone who isn't working really hard is somehow less worthy. But here, here's the newsflash, folks. Our worthiness is not actually dependent on any of these things. Worthiness is inherent. It's built in. It's not something that you go out and you find and you get. So our job actually is not to work for it. Our job is to uncover and dismantle anything in us that's saying somehow maybe you're not worthy. Or what I think is the real kicker for a lot of us, the, the ways in which we're actually unconsciously behaving like we're not fully worthy. So I was in this sports bar recently. It's not a place I really voluntarily go, but I was there to get a quick bite to eat with some friends before going to see a show. And I noticed this guy wearing this t-shirt. It was the back of the t-shirt. He was sitting down. I could just see the back of it. And it really struck me. And as I was preparing this episode, I was trying to remember what it said. And I remembered enough of it to, thank you, interwebs, Google it. And I found the t-shirt. Totally going to order one. No, I'm not. Uh, This is what the t-shirt said. Crawling is acceptable. Falling is acceptable. Puking is acceptable. Crying is acceptable. Pain is acceptable. Quitting is not. So I have so many thoughts about this. I mean, I mean, I think as I was sitting there reading the back of the guy's t-shirt, probably the first thing that flashed in my mind was like, wow, I could never date that person or probably even be friends with him. <laughs> no, I mean, that's not the point. Um, but really, it's just, it's like so opposite my values. I think this t-shirt is a really good example of the kind of obsession that we have collectively with extremity or extremeness. It's like, the, again, this false currency that we attach to extremeness. I mean, it's it's hustle culture, right? You see it in our work world. You see it in our work environments. You see it in sports. You see it on social media. You see it on TV. It's like things that are, dare I say, subtler, tender, slow, soft, Yeah, that's not what we're glorifying. (laughs) So the other day, I saw this ad for this famous actor. He's very talented. He's very handsome. He's Australian. You might even say (laughs) God-like, but that's not the point. The point is the show was him going and doing like a whole bunch of really extreme, different, really extreme physical challenges and then filming it. 
the show is build like this kind of vibe of when you push yourself to the limits is when you grow the most. And there was some quote about him, like if, if he went a little bit too far, he might actually die with this dramatic music. I, I mean, I guess all of this is meant to make exciting TV. And that's the marketing strategy, right? Extreme nail biter TV show will get views. But the interesting thing is, again, is how it's like we're attaching some value and even maybe some ideas about um, what is valuable growth to having to do extreme things or really push ourselves in some extreme way. This is a philosophy that I have kind of a problem with. It's, you also see it in the wellness, even in the wellness or spiritual industries or sort of the personal growth space. Again, it's like there are these retreats that people go to or these practices that, again, they're about this kind of extremeness or a kind of extreme physical experience. And that somehow we're deriving more value out of the more extreme practices. I mean, I'm not saying that there's anything inherently bad about any of these practices. I mean, there's sensory deprivation retreats where you, you know, you spend several days in total darkness or ayahuasca or any of these things. I don't have an inherent problem with any of those things. But the question I guess I'm asking here is, do we think that major growth is only available via major extreme experiences? Because I'm going to argue that those things are not actually always equitable or that one doesn't necessarily ha- always follow the other. Is like we think that in order to have major breakthroughs or major change or major accomplishment or any kind of major value, it's like we think that we have to majorly push to get it or have some kind of major extreme experience to get it or even suffer to get it. I just really think it isn't true. It's like the biggest opportunities for shifting and for growth can also be found in the most sort of subtle, or even mundane kind of ways. Like a mundane Tuesday, simply by looking at the parts of ourselves or the parts of our lives that we don't want to look at. You can have probably even greater growth by doing that than you can by going on some extreme retreat. I mean, you can go, you can go to another country to do, you know, some intense ceremony in the jungle, but the major thing that I think you want out of it I also think that thing is available to you on a run-of-the-mill Tuesday with nothing especially extreme going on. It's also available there. But for some reason, we've valued this pushing, this hustling, this suffering, these extreme experiences. And I don't know why. Maybe we're bored by these subtler ways of being and growing. Or again, maybe we're just attaching some kind of false currency to extremity. So there's this phrase, I think it comes from the Marines, ironically, that says, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Now, I don't know how the Marines interpret this or apply this, really. I can only tell you what it means to me. But to me, it means that often progress is better achieved by a steady, a slower, and a calmer way of being. Like if we slow down and we do whatever we're doing with more presence, if we keep doing that continually, we actually get better results. Because think about it, we sacrifice our attention 
when we're rushing or pushing. I mean, we sacrifice other things too, right? Like health and mental health, physical health. (laughs) But when we're not bringing calm and deep energy to something, when we're not actually able to bring our maximum presence and maximum abilities to whatever we're doing, honestly, the results suffer. I mean, how many things get missed, right? Or accidents happen, small accidents or large accidents because we're rushing or pushing or stressed. I mean, do you do your best work when you're stressed? So there's another way of being here. There's another paradigm where we actually can do less and accomplish more. Or maybe we work more efficiently and joyfully and calmly, and that's how we accomplish more. There's a way of being where we value presence more than we value pushing, where we value joy more than we value struggle, where we measure success not by suffering, but actually about how smoothly and even effortlessly we're expressing our gifts in our work and into the world. Where we don't trade time for money, we trade essence for money. And what I mean by this is when you are sitting right in the center of your unique expression, your true and unique gifts, you're expressing those and living those and creating from your essence, then that is the real value. Not how many hours you worked or how hard you suffered. Now, I know that we are not fully in this paradigm yet, but I really believe that we're moving there. I really want to move there. I want to contribute to us moving there. Personally, I want to be slower. I don't want any part of this life of rushing or hustling. I want the magic of stillness, not the myth of hustling. And I want to create from that place. And you know what? I do not want to wear the hustle t-shirt.